0: day of reckoning it's a very full program and on the surface it might seem like it's not covering a lot of ground but i assure you we will be covering a lot of ground here tonight let me start off by saying you all know for those of you who've been following now for the last 15 years then you know That it has been my goal, it's been my mission to create a repository of information and knowledge that I wished had been there when I was 17, 18, 19 years old. But particularly a black media outlet that served the interests of the people. Your brother, your host, your humble servant. And I have attempted to live through my example, my commitment to it. You can probably count on both hands, maybe one hand, the number of times over the last decade and a half that Saturday night has come and this microphone was not live. And holidays, I'm making a point, no matter what else is going on, if it's a federal holiday, we're going to be here. But the mission doesn't just stop. it showing up on YouTube because you have folks out there who ask silly questions. They don't really want to change anything. But I told you a decade ago, we were not going to be on YouTube. This is not a YouTube movement. This is a movement in the real world. And in the words of Professor Black Truth, we will not have come into our own until we have picked targets and removed them. Now, one of the things in particular that I've tried to do is I've tried to lead by example. So during the George Floyd protests, the national uprisings against white supremacy and its police apparatus, I made it my goal and went in my own pocket using my connections at the very same billboard company out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, that was putting up back the badge billboards around the country for free, I made it my goal. I sat down and thought it over and I chose three cities, New York, Chicago, Atlanta. And I didn't hold a crowdfunding. I didn't hold a fundraiser. I didn't ask for a penny. I went in my own pocket. And I paid for these billboards in the most prime locations in my own, out of my own pocket. Prime real estate, on the Dan Ryan, Williamsburg Bridge in New York, Atlanta. Didn't wait on somebody else because we can't wait to pass the hat. We got to be ready to move and mobilize in a moment's notice. And maybe we can't get everything done that we want to, but don't let that stop you from getting done what you can. And I chose three targets. And I named those three targets by name. I got phone calls from TV stations and radio stations in these cities. And when I actually returned their emails, when I returned their emails and returned their phone, or called their numbers, all of a sudden, Most of them didn't want to talk anymore. That's when you know they're on a fishing expedition to find out if this is real. Yeah, it's real. Now, as we go down the line, as we go down the line, Governor Cuomo had his eyes on becoming president. But what he didn't realize was that he didn't have the support he was looking for anymore, and an attorney general that he had empowered, who had the long knives out for him, and when she came for him, all of a sudden there was no more support. But I was the first and the only person to call him out in New York City in very large letters at the foot of the Williamsburg Bridge when you're coming into Manhattan. That's why the sign said, Welcome to Manhattan, because the folks who live there are coming off the Williamsburg Bridge, and there's a big-ass billboard that greets them. That's my welcome sign to Manhattan, New York. That was my welcoming sign for him a big old thanks governor cuomo something that people thought they would never see in their lifetimes that you could never get this done and i told you all that if we get to a point where you got the financial resources and everything that i will take out the time i will negotiate i will show you how to get it done something you never thought you would see in your lifetime to the point that now you can Google these images and they'll show up. And Governor Cuomo, by you go. I think like this, Next up, Tomatoes. Keisha Bottom B. And I might have the order wrong, but it's okay. Oh, Keisha Lance Bottoms, oh, the boots, whose claim to fame was basically Being magic city ready. But she did nothing for black people in Atlanta. And proudly so because she was from the Kamala Harris School of Politics. And her goal was simply to be a political social climber for herself. But to do nothing for black people. And that was the goal. That was always the goal. and I called it out from the beginning and it wasn't popular when I did it. It wasn't popular to call out what I saw when I saw it, but I did it. And then I took it even further. I'm going to publicly speak during the middle of the George Floyd uprisings. I'm gonna publicly speak. I am gonna say something, I'm gonna put it out there while the heat is on. And the message was very, very clear. When we say reparations, it means to focus on the issues of black people and specifically the descendants of American slaves now or resign. And you saw, it says it in very clear letters up there, Mayor Bottoms has failed us. I came all the way up I-20 from Shreveport, Louisiana to bring the Sermon of Freedom. And to announce to the whole city in a manner in which you could not ignore, Mayor Bottoms has failed us. So I'm making it very, very clear what it is. She's failed us. Lori Lightfoot was a little bit earlier. And I said, you know what, at the time there, I I changed the wording. I changed the wording to say, Mayor Lightfoot, you acting like you're going to do something and you're not doing anything. I'm making it very clear to everybody that we own your bumper. The issue is reparations or resign. And she spent her time working against Black folks' interests. Jason, why did you do this? For the exact same reason that I bought the billboards in Dallas, Texas, to add, when Amber Geiger was on trial, the last damn thing in the world that her attorneys want is somebody taking out big-ass billboards on the freeways in Dallas, Texas, putting the spotlight on police misconduct and saying, why are we not calling out the bad police? She couldn't. She didn't want that. Her people didn't want that. Her representation didn't want that. That was the last thing they needed. Somebody putting a huge Hollywood spotlight on it, and we did it. Didn't have to pass the hat for that either. Went in my own pocket and paid for that. Even though both of Jean was from an immigrant background, and I expressed my misgivings then. But Dallas, Texas is my old stomping grounds. It's my second home. It's my home away from home. And I felt like I had to do something right there, right there. I remember going up them streets in the downtown Dallas. That was something I was very, very familiar with. I had to do something and I couldn't wait. And you had naysayers. What do you think a billboard gonna do? Um, You know what? A billboard by itself isn't gonna do anything. However, a billboard that is the culmination of years, coupled with a media apparatus that is speaking against them can do everything. If you all agree with what I'm saying here tonight, give me the fire emoji in the chat room and hit the likes button. It's over 3,000 people watching me live right now. As I give you a retrospective on how we got here, this isn't about just one mayor in one city. We have been on a crusade now for a decade and a half. And I'm showing you all that MSNBC and the New York Times and ABC, I told you over a decade ago, you're going to have to rely on the intelligentsia and the competence of the new black media to let you know when we're winning. Because if you're waiting for MSNBC or the Los Angeles Times, or the New York Times or ABC News to put up a headline that says the new Black media is winning. Hell, gonna freeze over before that happens. You're going to have to rely on us to give you the insight and analysis that you'll receive nowhere else to let you know that, by the way, I just wanted to go ahead and do a recap on this. I couldn't help but notice that I named three specific people, and now a couple of years late, two or three years later, all three of the people that we specifically named and targeted all found if all of a sudden the media considered it to be okay and acceptable to go after them, they couldn't get any grassroots support, and all of them wound up leaving. Governor Cuomo wound up resigning. Keisha Bottoms wound up resigning. Lori Lightfoot should have saved us all in election and resigned. She went all the way, yeah, she going all the way back home. Now, is this all just one big coincidence? This is all just one big running sequential coincidence? Is that what it is? That this is all totally unassociated? Jason just guessed it right, not once, not twice, but three times in a row? With them telling you that Lori Lightfoot is the first mayor of Chicago to not get reelected in four decades? So this is all just one big running coincidence. People, what you do, if you want to change a national body politic, you have a media apparatus that's got years in the game and a significant following. Then you take it to the real world and you call it out for what it is. And we did that. And we did that. And now you are seeing the results. You're seeing the results. We're reaping the benefits and reaping the fruit of it. It's not a big coincidence, unless you believe in serial coincidence. It wasn't considered cool or acceptable to speak against any of these people before I went public on them. If you'll all remember, because most of you were there, it wasn't considered to be cool or acceptable. Keisha Bottoms had a whole bunch of folk from the twerker Magic City set. We're talking about we need to, su- to support Keisha. I wouldn't compromise, and I wouldn't let up. And when you go public like this, that's the kind of thing that catches on. Well, Jason, how do you know that's significant? Folks are online and things. Folks got to go to work. Folks got to drive places. They got to go to the store. These billboards were on the freeway heading to Hartsfield-Jackson Airport. Folks got to go by there at some point. You don't have to fool with us we're out there in the real world and her people let her know man somebody them bought one of the biggest damn billboards in atlanta to speak against you in no uncertain terms i've already started your re-election campaign miss bottoms and your slogan is gonna be i fail governor cuomo was here with an issue he couldn't uh refute And Lori Lightfoot never got together an acceptable resume that she could defend herself with. That's what it means to take bodies and get targets in the real world. We've chosen political targets and taken political bodies in the real world. And after I did it, you'll remember, after I did it in New York, Some white folk went and bought the billboards saying, Governor Cuomo needs to resign. Remember, right after I bought my billboards, here comes some white folks saying, Governor Cuomo needs to resign. This was after us. If what I was doing was irrelevant or ineffective, and didn't matter explain to me why it is that so many notable people followed up on me brianna taylor i ain't even bringing that up but i'll mention it briefly remember i bought billboards for brianna taylor that took work lamar did not want to give me those billboards i kept i had to negotiate heavy with them and i kept having to go back to them and let them know i'm gonna get these billboards so i had to go over it and over it again and then finally we, we came to terms on what the billboard would be. Next thing you know, after I bought mine, Oprah Winfrey, who was A. Wall and MIA all this damn time, next thing you know, she can get sit up here and, and brush the dog hair off of her long enough to go buy a bunch of billboards. Where the hell was she for the previous decade? If she's really about that life, where the hell was she at for the previous damn decade? I show up for Breonna Taylor and specifically say that black men, black men are here for Breonna Taylor. And here comes Oprah Winfrey. Soon as I speak up for black men, here comes the world's biggest anti-black male feminist screw job. Nobody saw that coming. Then they want to ask a bunch of questions. But if you think that my strategy didn't work or my strategy was irrelevant or ineffective, explain to me why so many other entities after me started doing it immediately after I did. If it was a bad idea, if it doesn't matter, if it's irrelevant, if it's forgettable, if it's completely dismissible, why is that? I told you all a decade and a half ago that we were going to change the national narrative, but it wasn't going to happen overnight. But if we were willing to stick at it and stay with it, if we were willing to be in for the long haul, if we were willing to make this a crusade, then you were eventually going to get past that critical 10% and 20%. And now you're seeing the entire society respond to it. It used to be forbidden to speak against these black politicians. Now it's in vogue and in style specifically with the ones that I named and I've sat here and waited and you'll all remember I called it. I called it and said Governor Cuomo won't make it. I was the first person to say Keisha Bottoms was not going to get re-elected and I was the first person to tell you Lori Lightfoot wasn't going to get re-elected. I didn't just say it. I went and bought the damn billboards to show I've been on it. I'm not some dunny come lately talking about, well, I sure hope it happens that way. I've been calling it since day one. Hell, I started day one. While your white corporate media was telling you, ain't no day one. While the white corporate media was telling you, oh, don't worry, Joe Biden got Keisha Bottom's back. Let me show you about Keisha, about those back, or should I say backside, because while Lori Lightfoot has been shown the damn door, old Keisha figured they gave her her consolation prize. Okay, if you resign as the mayor of Atlanta and don't run, for, if you don't run for re-election in Atlanta, we'll get you a little old penny-in-the-ass White House job. Y'all, she didn't make it a year. She didn't make it a damn year. Didn't make it a year from 11 alive former atlanta mayor announces departure from white house job she was brought on as a senior aide to the white house in june of last year june of last year she didn't make it 12 whole months didn't make it 12 months didn't make it 12 months basically made it nine months and then she has gone she'll be replaced by former by a former mayor in South Carolina, Stephen Benjamin. Now listen to see what it was that the job was that she had at the White House. Listen for what the job was she had. Bigline Atlanta, former Atlanta mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms has announced she's leaving her White House job in the Office of Public Engagement. What the hell cabinet position is that? Can somebody go look in the government handbook and find me the number to the Office of Public Engagement? What does she do? It goes on to say that in her Twitter post, sharing the news, she said, the White House called in June, and I said, I'll stay just through midterms in November. What the hell? You was only gonna stay for five months? What the hell? Five months? That doesn't even sound right. That doesn't even sound right. White House called in June and I said, I'll stay through June, through midterms in November. Months later, this extraordinary season soon ends. She later took the post to to Instagram. Members of the Biden administration announced that Lance Bottoms will be replaced by Stephen Benjamin, a former mayor of Columbia, South Carolina, the state's capital. Bottoms first started the job as the senior aide to the president in June, 2022, during the run-up to the midterms. She replaced Cedric Richmond to take on the role as the director of the office So these are basically their carousel of symbolic Negroes. They got their carousel of symbolic Negroes. They got their carousel of symbolic Negroes, and it was just her turn to ride on the carousel. They go on the same... She replaced Cedric Richmond to take on the role of the director of the office, which works at the local, state, and national levels to, quote, ensure community leaders, diverse perspectives, and new voices have the opportunity to inform the work of the president in an inclusive, transparent, and responsible way. The former mayor was once on a long list of potential vice presidential nominees as President Joe Biden searched for his running mate. She also previously turned down an offer to be a part of Biden's cabinet after the 2020 election. She wasn't offered a damn thing. They were just sitting up here trying to talk big so that it wouldn't be as embarrassing because she didn't have their support to run for re-election. She didn't have their support. Didn't have it then, doesn't have it now. Didn't have it then and doesn't have it now. President Biden made the following statement regarding Lance Bonham's departure. Quote, under Keisha's leadership, the Office of Public Engagement has kept equity at the heart of our agenda and continues to serve as the connective tissue between our administration and everyday Americans who may not have a voice to reach Washington otherwise. I have learned as Keisha, I have leaned on Keisha as a close advisor with exceptional instincts and i am grateful to her for serving our nation with honor and integrity i wish her the best as she returns home to atlanta to be with her family folks what what did keisha bottoms do for black people as the director of the office of public engagement somebody tell me what did she do who did she work with As the director of the Office of Public Engagement, she served the nation. How did she serve the nation as the director of the Office of Public Engagement? I'm just curious. I'm not curious, I'm curious. Like Charles Barkley, I'm curious. I'm trying to figure out what did she do? Because it just sounds like some symbolic cush government job they give you for a couple of months, so that it looks like you showed up somewhere. But otherwise, you can't tell me what she did. What did she do for anyone? Did she actually do anything for anybody outside of that office? So her job was just to sit there and talk to Biden? That was it? So her job is just to sit around and talk to Joe Biden. You can go talk to Joe Biden for three or six months and then go pack up and take your ass back home to Atlanta. So they were just allowing her to graciously get kicked out the building. That doesn't sound like an upgrade to me. So Keisha Bottoms, Just in case you thought that she escaped unscathed, she's on the first plane back to Atlanta unceremoniously. The same week that Lori Lightfoot gets kicked out of the mayor's office, her and Keisha. The same week that Lori Lightfoot gets kicked out of the mayor's office, Keisha got kicked out the White House. Notice she didn't announce that she'd be leaving in November or in March. She didn't announce either one of those. That means she'd been begging and hoping to stay. She realizes she has no more leverage. So that was that was all the reward she got for giving up the mayor's position in Atlanta without a fight. Jason, what does success look like? It looks like this. It looks like this. We three for three. Foe for foe, if you consider Kamala Harris. We picked targets. I specifically named them. I took out the work to go ahead and put it in the real world. You can see who and what it was. People I called years ago, not months ago, years ago, years ago. And these are the results. These are the tangible results that you can see. So if somebody questions whether we're on the right track, if someone questions you about whether or not we're effective, if someone is questioning the strategies and trying to convince you that it ain't going to work, it never going to work. Yeah, the folks talking about it's never going to work are always saying that right up until it works. And as soon as it works, baby crickets. All you're going to hear are crickets. That's all you're going to hear. None of those people are going to come back and admit that they got made a fool of and proven wrong. They're not going to do that. And furthermore, we don't really need them to. Because we run the yard. They don't have to come back and admit they were wrong. You can see they were wrong. And we don't need them to say anything else because we run the yard. We control the narrative this is a movement coming from the soil up it ain't coming from the top down it's coming from the soil up this is a brand new thing for people to recognize and get a look at this is brand new they're not used to seeing something like this or maybe you just think it's all just one coincidence after coincidence after coincidence after coincidence you sure do believe in a lot of coincidences But for all of you who followed me then and wondered, Jason, have you been keeping up with it? Oh, yeah, I have. I've been keeping up with it. Well, Jason, you didn't say nothing. Didn't need to. When all the dominoes fall, I'm going to check back with you. And then you can tell me if I called it or not. If all the dominoes fall, you can come back and tell me if I got it right. You can tell me if it was just one big coincidence. People ask yourselves a question. If you're correct this many times, is it because you're guessing your way through it every time? So every time we step up and back, we're guessing our way through it every time. And we're just getting it right every time by accident. I want to say one more thing. Where your chest smooth people at. Yeah, Stacey Abrams, I didn't even take a billboard for her. I didn't have to take out a billboard for her. She's doing feed the children commercials over in Zimbabwe or Nigeria or Mozambique or wherever. I didn't even have to take out a billboard for her. That would have just been a waste of resources. I told you all, look here, she got hit the first time. She's going to get spanked the second time. It went exactly the way I told you. So that just would have been a waste of a billboard. I could spend that money somewhere else. I told. I didn't even bother really covering the debate. Remember, I covered the Warnock. Herschel Walker debate. I didn't even cover uh, Stacey Abrams. I'm like, yeah, spoiler alert, she gonna lose. Oh, next issue, next subject. People, when it, it may sound a bit pompous when we say we are the black media. It might sound a little pompous when we say that. But what I'm doing is I'm coming back to you not with receipts, but with invoices. I'm not telling you what you're paid. I'm telling you what you owe. And I'm coming back to you with invoice after invoice after invoice. To let you know we doing work in the real world. We kicking ass and taking names in the real world. I can show you the list. I can show you the proof. And many of you have
1: been there. I'm the professor, and this is the moment of truth. I've been asked to give my analyses of the Mississippi bill that aims to create an artificial new district inside of the state's capital of Jackson. There's also another political incident recently that I meant to comment on, and I think I can kill two birds with one stone. Normally, we discuss cause and effect, but in this case, we're going to deal with the effect first, and then the cause. Now, for those of you who may not know, the Mississippi State Legislature, in their latest bit of racial skullduggery, is plotting to segregate the capital city of Jackson by declaring a part of that city to be a new district. Now, this new district has been drawn up in such a way as to encompass almost all the white citizens in the city, and they would have their judicial matters presided over by a group of unelected judges who are chosen not by the people, but by the white state lawmakers themselves. And they will greatly expand the jurisdiction and the authority of the Mississippi State Capitol Police, who are among the most violent and lawless gang of state-sponsored thugs in the state. And that's not all. The Mississippi State Senate has also passed a bill to establish a so-called regional governing board for Jackson's water system, even though the city already has federal oversight on that. And, of course, the board will be appointed by state officials, not the people who live in Jackson. This is verbatim what Republicans did in Flint, Michigan, you'll recall, with their so-called emergency manager law, and we all know how that turned out. The white legislator who came up with this scheme doesn't even live in Jackson himself. He lives over 150 miles away. The Mississippi State Constitution says that judges have to be elected, but he said, well, not all the judges have to be elected. That's supposed to be his loophole. Now, the good old boys had no problem with the judges being elected by the people. That is, as long as whites were the overwhelming majority in the state, and certainly the majority in the state capital of Jackson. But since blacks are more numerous than they've ever been in the state's history, the white supremacists there are now violating their own laws and declaring that the judges have to be appointed in this case by a handful of white office holders and not by the people who live there. For all you dumb Negroes who have occasionally come bombing into my comment section saying, well, we need to vote Republican then, here are your Republicans at work. Yet another GOP extra-legal takeover of city government and a black municipality. Rather than declare that the black citizens can't vote, they're instead going with a strategy of just declaring that black government officials will have no authority to administrate anything. Now, the lie that the right-wing racist who came up with this scheme is using is that they need to make this district in order to fight crime in the Jackson area. Only problem with that lie is the area that they're proposing to turn into a new district is among the safest in the entire city. It's an area with shopping centers and several neighborhoods that are predominantly white. So clearly this isn't about public safety. That's why the judges who are going to be administering court cases there are going to be appointed from outside of Jackson so that they can have the best and whitest, uh, I mean brightest, running the judiciary in this new artificial district. Gee, if this is such a great idea to appoint judges as opposed to electing them, then why didn't the white GOP lawmaker who came up with this scheme do that where he lives? Oh, no, where he lives, he demands that he be able to choose who the judges are. But where black people live, he says, let's all of those white supremacists gang up together. We're going to just decide who's in charge there. And what a surprise, it's going to be themselves. Because that's white supremacy. They don't believe in living under the laws they write. As I've said for over a decade, they didn't write the laws for themselves, they wrote them as a means to control black people. Now this bill has already passed the Mississippi State House and is expected to pass the state Senate. And what is the Mississippi legislature's so-called black caucus doing while all this is going on? Exactly what the congressional black caucus does, nothing. The Mississippi Legislative Black Caucus is busy singing songs because that's what you do whenever you're facing a threat. You don't try to fight it. Instead, it's time for choir practice. They're just trying to present themselves to white power as totally unthreatening. These Negroes love to brag that they're in the statehouse when they go to church or wherever else. To them. They're social climbers, but how much good have they been doing Black Mississippi? Now, before we go any further, Mississippi's Black population is at least 38% of the state. The figures are surely higher than that, but 38% is all that the white census is comfortable admitting to. Though you wouldn't know that two out of every five Mississippians is black if you look at their state legislature, blacks are scrupulously kept out of state government. And the Democrats have allowed this to happen for decades. Both the major parties play off of each other when it comes to subjugating us. Republicans are the ones who carry out the blatant anti-black policies, and the democrats are controlled opposition whose job is to keep you and me sitting on our hands because they tell us they're gonna fight for us but of course they never do because that's not their job that's not their purpose the state of mississippi hands out millions and millions of dollars to white cities and even interested white individuals simply because they ask for it don't believe me ask brett Favre about that he can tell you all about getting millions of dollars from the state but when it comes to black cities The now governor of Mississippi, he ran on a platform of denying Jackson the funds they were requesting, that was his political platform, that he was going to run against black people in Jackson, he ran on an open platform of denying Mississippi citizens the benefits of their own tax dollars and he would do it based on race. See, you have these white supremacists like that punk at Howard University I told you about last Friday who pushed the white right-wing lie that it's black people who look to the government for everything, and black people need to stop looking to the government. Well, what do you see white Mississippians doing right here? Same thing we see in Georgia, Florida, and so many other places. They're relying completely on the state. When there's something they want, the first thing they start doing is looking for a government official to give it to them. They're not relying on private business or community organizing. They're 110% relying on government. And these white supremacists who run these states have openly said that they will only put resources into white areas. This is why black cities are poor, because they're kept that way as a result of a blatant open racial policy of selectively impoverishing black areas of the country. Not because I said so, but because the racists who run these bigoted backwaters say so. And they know this. The MO of the white supremacist is to lie and deny. That's their entire strategy, lie and deny. They live off of the public dole. They owe their entire existence to the government. And then they tell black people that we're the ones who always look to government for everything. Now, this blatant racial takeover of Jackson is, of course, causing a fear. But what I want to know is, what are the Democrats doing about this? Nothing. Same way they did absolutely nothing in Michigan when Republicans took over Flint through an unconstitutional law. President Obama was in office when it happened, and he went to Flint himself in the wake of the water poisoning crisis that occurred there. And what did he or his black attorney generals do about it? Nothing. There was a so-called investigation, but as we knew, nobody was actually going to go to jail over it. Obama himself only did a photo op, claiming that the water in Flint was safe to drink. Oh, and uh, vote for Hillary, by the way, because you need to secure his legacy. He didn't prosecute anyone. Democrats got back control of the Congress when Biden was elected. And how much money did the Democratic Congress choose to send to Flint, or Jackson, or anywhere else? When it comes to black people, they just never seem able to do it. But they have no trouble sending millions and millions of dollars to white areas, the same people who claim that they don't look to the government for everything. And that brings us to the second reason that this is happening. Right next door to Mississippi, you have the not-so-great state of Alabama. And the capital of Alabama is Montgomery. And the mayor of Montgomery is a guy named Stephen Reed. Who was recently caught on audio saying the same things that these bootleg puppet politicians say when they think no one can hear them? You know what I mean? I think I'll smile. I don't have to do no work. I don't have to do no work. I don't have to no systemically,
2: and I'm gonna be fine. And guess what? I will always get thirty-eight to forty-five percent of the white vote. If I get thirty-four to forty-five percent of the white vote, i will gonna damn get the black vote. I got your right now. You got Black City. That's great. You may have all black everything. And guess what? You won't have green nothing. White money. And you have to the right you don't So what to you I'm to you I'm you that i tell you will i I'm i I'm going to you go? going to I expect the centers of soul souls the festival, and Y'all work over there.
1: I think he is a chair. Did he? I think he is a nice Then a Now what? so it will really the so don't ever miss uh, what I'm doing you you have this you get that? He said that he doesn't have to do anything. And since Montgomery is over 60% black, when he says he doesn't have to do anything, he means he doesn't have to do anything for black people. He doesn't have to do any work systemically, he says. So, all you Negroes in Montgomery who are wondering why systemic racism is still plaguing you, It's because your mayor says he doesn't have to do any systemic work. In fact, as he put it, he doesn't have to do any G-damn work. Which perfectly explains why he's not doing anything for black people in Montgomery. And just to make sure that people got the point, he said that he will always get 38 to 45% of the white vote. He's just so sure that those white supremacists in Alabama love him that much. And why? He told you himself. He's looking after their interests. They are his priority. White power demands that black people be kept impoverished, and that's what he's doing. There have been black mayors who improved the condition of their black citizens, like Maynard Jackson and even Marion Barry. but this guy has made it clear he's not going to do that. And it's a deliberate decision. Hell, he's mad as hell at the concept that somebody would actually suggest he do anything for black people. Stephen Reed knows exactly what side his bread's butter on, and he loves having it slathered by white supremacy. He's more interested in catering to the white Republicans who didn't vote for him than he is with black Democrats who did vote for him, who are the majority of the city that he's supposed to be the mayor of. That's why he said that if he gets just 30 to 45 percent of the white vote, he doesn't have to get the black vote, not in the same numbers that he did it before. Gee, what does that sound like to you? What does that kind of political calculation sound like to you? Well, it sounds like he's trying to put together some sort of voter coalition. But, as he explained, one that wouldn't leave him vulnerable to black people's demands. He's trying to put together a voter coalition that will not leave him vulnerable to angry black voters who are mad that their black mayor's not doing anything for them. And I wonder what he's going to call his new would-be voter base. Perhaps he'll call them Reed Republicans. See, whether it's Rahm Emanuel or some bootlicking punk in Alabama, you see that the Democrats have a national strategy at work. Neutralize the black vote. This reed clown is pitching a fit about being reliant on black voters and all he can think about is not having to rely so much on black voters. And what is it that he's terrified that black voters are going to want? He's terrified that they're going to want something that is not expedient to the interest of white power. He said it himself. He wants to be able to win with less black votes. Black people are 61% of the electorate in Montgomery if anything, he should be politically totally secure, but instead he's mad. And I mean crazy, not just angry. Though I do have to admit that he sounded amusing in a lug-headed kind of way when he was talking about no one's seen a scientist as diabolical as him. Scientist? Really? I don't know how much science this guy's learned. He comes off more as a professional BS artist. The problem is these bootlicks are always telling themselves what geniuses they are, and that's because these white think tanks and democratic organizations who find these tools gas their empty heads up at how smart they are. Like Obama, you had the white media say he's so articulate and elegant. You had chumps like Chris Matthews claiming that Obama played four-dimensional chess, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. No, Obama didn't. He did the same thing this reed clown is doing because the bootlicks only have one play, keep white power happy. And they always do that the exact same way by systematically continuing to deprive black people of resources and reassuring white power that they'll make sure they continue to be funneled all the resources exclusively to them do you think that this reed clown has ever gotten this worked up about racist white lawmakers in the state denying montgomery funds montgomery is the capital of alabama just like jackson's the capital of mississippi alabama's right next door to mississippi When the good old boys in Alabama State Legislature decide to do like Mississippi and start nullifying elections in black areas, does anyone think that Mayor Stephen Reed is going to fight them? He's simply trying to climb the political ladder, and that means he has to keep moneyed white interests happy. The people who he's hoping are going to donate to his campaigns when he tries to run for higher office. And we know that's what he means because he made it crystal clear that's what he wants. This guy makes it clear he has total contempt for the very black citizens who voted him into office. This guy is a Democrat, but he talks about black people no differently than any white racist Republican in Mississippi, West Virginia, Texas, or anywhere else. He has nothing but contempt for black people, even though he is one. And Democrats choose him to be their stalking horse precisely for that reason. These are the kinds of backroom conversations that the Keisha Bottoms and the Karen Basses and the Sylvester Turners and the Barack Obamas have with these Democrat Party bosses. You have to pledge to the bosses that you hate black people as much as they do, and that you'll never do anything for black people. That's the only way that they'll make me their candidate for office. This is the kind of talk they do when they think we can't hear them. Why is it that the black members of the L.A. City Council, or the California State Legislature for that matter, didn't do anything about those racist Latino members plotting how they were going to shut black people out of all arenas of the city? For the same reason that your black Mississippi Legislative Caucus never seems able to do anything for black people? For the same reason that the congressional black talkers never do anything for us? Because as they see it, they have all escaped being black as soon as they got the pat on their head from democratic power. When the Democrats put them in public office, they figured that they had escaped being black. And as they see it, their fate is no longer tied to the black masses. They're not like us. They're going to have a different destiny no matter what happens. Black people as a group could go extinct. But the Stephen Reeds and the Barack Obamas, they think they're going to be just fine. As they see it, they found a comfortable, safe place under white supremacy. And they will fight against our interests and serve up the entire black community as a human sacrifice if it keeps their new masters happy. This is why we see these white supremacists from coast to coast going on these legislative rampages like this. Why shouldn't they? The white supremacists feel they have nothing to lose at this point. But they also feel like nobody's going to punish them for their behavior. But that's only true if we do nothing. We cannot do as South Africa did and allow those who carried out these racial attacks to simply go back to their own jobs and positions after their plots fail, as if everything is everything. Democrats are not interested in Black empowerment. They are opposed to it. And they're not interested in achieving civil rights, whatever definition you may choose to use for that term. They're only interested in appearing to fight for civil rights, though mostly it's Black people doing the fighting while the Democrats sit back and say, vote for us. In George Orwell's classic dystopian novel, 1984, the plot revolves around a fictional ongoing global war between three world powers. Britain is run by a malevolent totalitarian regime, and the people are told that all that matters is defeating the enemy. The people are told that they've won battles against the enemy, and that their country's making progress in the war, even though the war has gone on for as long as any of them can remember. They're making progress, according to the party, but there's never any evidence of it. The war just goes on and on, as does the oppression. In the end, George Orwell wrote, The war is not meant to be won. It is meant to be continuous. Hierarchical society is only possible on the basis of poverty and ignorance. In principle, the war effort is always planned to keep society on the brink of starvation. Its object is not the victory but to keep the very structure of society intact. That book was written over 70 years ago by an Englishman. Orwell made it clear he was talking about the world. And we've seen this Orwellian Big Brother propaganda played out most aggressively in the United States. The white media constantly sings the false siren song that American society is not an oppressive regime, when the reality is that's exactly what American society is. But nobody has the courage to say who. The society has been keeping in a state of impoverishment and using their media and blank bootleg stooges to keep us ignorant. Nobody dares to say exactly who this society has been keeping on the verge of starvation because it hasn't been keeping everyone there. It's been keeping a small select group of people there. And we already know why that is and who it is. Instead, all we get from the white media are lies that there's a political party fighting for civil rights. And both the white left and the white right say things are better than they were in the 80s or the 60s or the 30s or the turn of the century or slavery, etc. Isn't that ironic? Both of the major parties don't seem to agree on much, at least they don't claim to. But when it comes to black people, they both agree on the lie that, oh, well, things are better than they were before. There's been this constant march of progress. Why, if you Negroes, just be patient. Just don't rock the boat. Why, things will work out just fine. You see things working out fine? There's no evidence to support this, but they keep saying it, and they use a few cherry-picked token Negroes to try to convince us that their fiction is somehow true. Economic and social progress is the quintessential American lie. Things are not good now, and are not getting better because they have never gotten better. We've been effectively running a place for 150 years, but nobody wants to have to actually admit that. It's simply too terrible a thought to have to face up to the fact you've been living a lie. Your progress that the white media's been telling you about has been nothing more than running, or in our case, marching in circles. And the white media and politicians and a few bootlicks you got put on the payroll give us phony congratulations for changing things with all of that pointless marching and singing when they know that nothing has changed. They do that to make us feel better about not having gotten anything done. This is why putting black people on political treadmills to nowhere is so dangerous. And it's not a new idea either, it's quite old. That's why I gave you the Orwell quote. Get the oppressed to chase after red herrings and distractions. And when they get tired of that old distraction, just present them with a new one. Some of the trolls and lurkers lie and claim, You said we shouldn't vote at all. Listen up, stupid. I have never said that. I said vote when you got somebody on the ballot who's sticking up for you. And if there is no one on the ballot sticking up for you, which is clearly the case for us, then what happens is you select somebody and you put them on the ballot. That's the way voting is supposed to be done. You choose the office holder first and then you push like hell to get them on the ballot and get them into office. You don't sit there voting hoping that the Stephen Reeds are going to do right by you. Voting has its place, especially at the local level, which is where we can be most effective. But the lesson here is that all the voting in the world is useless if you still allow yourself to let racist Democrats dictate to you who you have to choose from. The problem in Montgomery is the same problem black people have in Jackson, D.C., and everywhere else. We have not been choosing our own leaders. White power has chosen them for us. They give us the illusion of choice by putting four bootlegs in front of us and saying, See, you can choose which flavor of bootleg that you want. That's a distinction without a difference. Rather than reject the slate of handpicked pawns the white power puts in front of us every two to four years, we instead keep trying to do the impossible and see if by some miracle we can find the lesser of two evils. It's a stupid game, one that we've been playing with ourselves, and it doesn't work. We have to get organized and energized about being on code. And we don't need most of us to be on board with it. But we do need a critical mass of the right black people with their heads on straight. This is not a game of sheer raw numbers. It's about organization and dedication. We all see the problem. We all recognize the need to fix it. The only question is, when are we going to get serious about it? Good day. And, be- and I'm glad I did, because I really learned how ineffective
2: the NAACP was, how much it controlled. But so, with that being said, I don't understand how they got money to put on an image award when we don't even own any institution. So how does the NAACP year in and year out But we have enough award shows, first of all. I'm so sick and tired of black people awarding themselves. I'm tired of we got DEP awards, we got the Bob Awards, Soul Train Awards, we got Oscars, we got any, there's enough awards in the black community. We don't need no NAACP Image Awards, but be that as it may uh, that they decided to waste money on this award show, that's been going on for a while now, at least 20, 30 years. But with that being said, they gave Dwayne the biological son, who is now a legal Transgender right. yeah. woman. Female, I said, he woman, he ain't before tea. Right, uh, <laughs> right. to 22 start like a woman.
3: say something. I had a, a textification. I don't look at a conversation, but a textification today online on with this person. They were saying that people should boycott the a Bruce Music Festival because it has Dave Chappelle and a couple of other people on there that had supposedly had said some unkind words about gays. And there was a black person. I said, look, it's really interesting that you find it uh, appropriate to tell people to boycott black performers because they said something anti-gay, but I don't see you saying boycott people that are being anti-black. Absolutely. <laughs> and that right there is a trend, Father David, that was given birth to by President Barack Hussein Obama. It was Barack Obama
2: who deliberately took the spotlight off of black people issues and anti-black hate and put it on LGBTQ issues and LGBT, he did that. And, you know, with black people, I see a lot of us now waking up and recognizing that supporting all of these other so-called marginal groups and organizations, a lot of us are starting to wake up and realize this is just a trap. It's a distraction to get black people to stop worrying about what matters most to black people. And because we are so multicultural, which grows out of our collective self-hatred, Black people are always ever ready and willing to lend a hand to somebody else's cause, But none of these other groups ever lend a hand to our cause. Most LGBTQs are anti-black. They are just as racist as any other white person. I the black homosexuals know that they are an afterthought in the LGBT movement agenda. In fact, black homosexuals and lesbians, are to the lgbtq movement what black people are to the democratic party and it is the same relationship you are in afterthought we don't care about you okay and the only time we call on you is we'll to use you for something that's the only reason that they call on and, the, and, the, and, the, and i also believe that it is an absolute contradiction to call lgbtq the minority group I still need somebody to help me understand how can being a white and gay or white and trans make you a minority? If you are a privileged white male in America, it's it's take away your privilege? It doesn't. It doesn't. If you are a white woman in America, being a lesbian does not take away your privilege. And because we know that the LGBTQ movement, like the women's rights movement, was financed Funded and operated by the CIA and the FBI, these are government-funded. How can it be a minority? With the objective of breaking up the family. Right. With the objective of breaking up the family. In fact, one of the reasons why the CIA, well, we know why the FBI uh, funded the LGBT movement. That was to eclipse the Black Civil Rights movement in the aftermath of Dr. King's murder. America. The children always have an adult at home. So if the man is going to work for five years and the woman is going to work for five years and y'all going to do a year-a-year a year, or somebody going to run a business from home, somebody needs to be home with these children. Because guess what, Father David? This Childhood Transgender Award against our kids where they're, they're, they're brainwashing our kids into getting sex surgery as children, I can't even believe we're having this conversation. I cannot believe that there's a such thing as Childhood Transgenderism. But with that as it is, Father David, this never happens. This never happens if you never get the woman out the house. Hmm. There's no way they would be able to indoctrinate the children like this if you never get the woman out of the house. And the second thing I'm going to say, there would never be able to push childhood transgenderism on our children if we ever gave up our independent black schools. Two big mistakes we made as a people. We gave up our independent black schools and we allowed... No parents to be at home. I don't want to say the woman had to work. It could have been the woman who needed to work and the man who needed to stay home. But removing both parents from the home was a big
3: mistake that Black America is suffering from. And I would say that, you know, when they threw us in the dirt, they got dirty too because their families are breaking up as well. You know, their, their women have become what they wanted to so-called independent and, and not need their own man and run around with uh, less morals themselves. It ain't like it's just black women. That's true. But I'll tell you this, Father David, in,
2: in, in, in my observation and in my study, I noticed that there's a difference between the white feminists and the black feminists. Rarely will you see the white feminists deride white males in mass over social media or in in the news. You don't see that. Rarely, even on YouTube, rarely when you find a white woman just categorically dismissing all white males, calling them useless, no good, they need to be exterminated. You don't see that. In other words, the white woman may be a feminist if she has an issue with the white man, but she has never criminalized the white man the way that black women have criminalized the black man, and I would also say the way that black men have criminalized the black woman. You ain't never seen no other man yeah. in this country. Yeah. You ain't never seen a Chinese man, Latino man, Arab, East Indian, European Jew. No man except the black man has ever publicly worded you and denounced as woman the way black men are doing black women and the way black women are doing black men. And the sad thing about it, Father David, it's feeding right into the LGBTQ agenda for black children. It's feeding right into it because public school and media are telling our kids to be gay or get a sex change. That's their their recipe for love, okay? Get a sex change or find somebody of the same gender. And then they look at us, the heterosexuals, and they're like, the heterosexuals can't get off. So, if the the black heterosexuals can't get along, maybe what the government is telling me is what I should do. Maybe what my teacher is telling me in the classroom is what I should do. And I I would argue that we are doing a better job of turning black boys and girls against traditional black love than even mainstream media
3: and public schools are doing with this back and forth fight. Well, I just want (sighs) to make a disclaimer that, you know, we're not. Jay it at all. We're just telling the no. truth as it is, you know. And, and you I, know it 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 is. Just tell the truth as it is. harm to anybody. That's right. But but we have to have a serious conversation. That's right. About what's
1: best for Black America. That is that's most, that's number one.